Daily news, breaking updates, and exclusive podcasts. iTricks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the iTrix Magic Week in Review. Uh, this week, this week's a good one. I, I know we've been gone a, well, a week or so, but uh, this one was worth waiting for, I promise. We have somebody who, I, you know, I tried to, to think of a like a, a suitable introduction. Uh, and, and honestly, what I keep coming back to is we have somebody who's basically American magic royalty on with us this week. And uh, you've probably seen him uh, on Penn and Teller's Fool Us, and that is Mr. Greg Wilson. Greg, how are you today? Hi there. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for being on. My pleasure. Um, let's, let's, I, I mean, I assume everyone out there knows who you are. Uh, you're, of course, you're Greg Wilson. We, we, a lot of us saw you kind of grow up on television, uh, appearing with, with your parents, Mark Wilson and, and Nani Darnell over the years, um, you have decided to become a magician. Uh, perhaps you were forced to become a magician. I don't. I don't know how that works. Uh, but uh, now, now, now you're on Fool Us. You're, you're still out doing uh, a lot of stuff. Um, but one of the things that I think we should we should clear up right away for people who maybe are a little newer to magic is you are not Gregory Wilson, who can also be seen with Penn and Teller frequently on Wizard Wars. That's very true. Uh, and, and, and I, I legally, I am a Gregory Wilson, but we are two different people. And, and I actually called, uh, him and asked him if he wouldn't mind going by the, with the ORY designation, uh, because, uh, we were getting confused for each other and, and still do. And the best part about that is that he's a good magician. So there's no embarrassment factor there. <laughs> yeah, that, that would, that would definitely put a damper on things where you're getting like, angry letters about your, you know, terrible behavior at someone's children's birthday party. (laughs) Yes. uh, The the best thing is we don't, but he probably doesn't like getting requests to do illusions. So, (laughs) but, but it's, it's, but, but you guys get along, which is nice. So you don't have to like fight over websites and things. Uh, Fortunately, I got them first. So there's no, (laughs) no debate there. (laughs) That's good. I, I, uh, I'm I'm a third, so uh, my you know my my dad is uh, he's my dad he's 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 an older guy he's retired but he's young enough to be on Facebook and stuff and and I get people who will say hey man I think it's hilarious that you use your dad's picture as your Facebook profile and it's like hey man I think it's hilarious you just friended my dad oh. Oh yeah, well, fortunately we don't have that problem in my family. <laughs> right, but but it's it's just you know, all of a sudden, no matter what your name is, if you're gonna if you're gonna use it, for the first time, almost ever, you are instantly competing with everyone else in the world with your name. Yes, and and my name is not incredibly unique. <laughs> no, but but your name is is pretty well known. I mean, like I said. A, a lot of us have seen you kind of grow up over the years performing with your parents. Um, and I want to talk more about you, but, but let's start with uh, 
were you always going to be a magician or was there a time when you were like a surly 14 year old going, dad, I'm going to be an accountant. I don't care what you say. Uh, I loved magic from the start. My brother, on the other hand, uh, felt an inclination to head towards the behind the scenes, uh, production aspects, uh, of producing and, and, uh, handling negotiations and things like that. And he developed his own company with the Chinese acrobats, which was a spinoff from one of my dad's projects. Um, whereas on the other, I love doing magic and, even as a small child would bug my parents to teach me how to do things. And that's, uh, that's why I got to be on TV performing with him. I, I guess that makes it in your sweet powder blue, little miniature tuxedo, right? The 70s. <laughs> yes. You, you, the matching outfits. I, I'm sure you've heard this before, but I'm, I'm, I, I have to put in my two cents on this. Uh, when when you mention you know the Chinese acrobats and one of your father's projects, I'm first of all of an age where I don't really remember the TV show, but I remember the Mark Wilson specials, particularly the Chinese special. And uh, a few years ago, I found myself working in a factory in Shanghai, which the the eye tricksters out there I'll, I'll I'll have heard about that before. But one of the magicians I would get when I would talk to people, I speak Chinese and. And, and could talk to people, you, you know, uh, on the street a little bit more. And we would talk about our hobbies and, you know, why do you speak Chinese and, and, and different things. And we talk a lot about magic because it's constantly on television in China. At least it, it was when I was there. And uh, one of the people that would I would still get asked about while I was there was your father. And, and Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And I was like, he definitely made an impression. In fact, I think I even saw a clip while I was there. On one of the many kind of, whether they were legal or not, I'm not sure, magic compilation clip shows that were just constantly on Chinese television. Well, our, our, our tour in 1980 was at the invitation of the Chinese government. And we were the very first Western performers uh, to perform in China of any type, uh, except for, say, the ballet or the symphony orchestra. Uh, we were the first variety type performers over there. And it was quite a deal. Dad had been courting the Chinese uh, consulate long before there was an embassy uh, for many years and because it was his dream to go to the origin of magic in China. And it, you know, what a, what a wonderful thing for a kid growing up, as he did, with the, the, the great China <laughs> wall dividing, the bamboo wall, as they describe it, um, dividing our cultures, and he broke through it with magic. And now, what was it like for you? How old were you when when that happened? I was. Uh, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. No, it's fine. Nineteen eighty. I would have been fifteen years old. And, and and you went right. I definitely went. It was a life changing experience. I fell in love with the Chinese culture and the Chinese people. As a matter of fact, uh, my minor at university was Chinese language and and history. Oh, uh, my major was uh, filmmaking. That that's that's interesting. We 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 definitely need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. <laughs> so 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 you're another magician that speaks Mandarin. I take it. There's me, you, Harry Blackstone, and I want to say Kenton Kenton Napper speaks Mandarin as well. I'm sure there's many more now. Yes. 
but at the time, uh, China was just uh, dawning on opening their doors for tourism. They had no international quality hotels. There, there were no real taxis. Uh, you know, it was bicycles or it was the state-run limo that would drive us. Um, it, our translators were actual Chinese Secret Service guys uh, that were assigned to our group. Um, everything was very monitored and guided, and it was very, very interesting. But we did get to meet lots of wonderful people, and they actually held the first magic convention that had been held since uh, Mao Zedong uh, took over the government and closed down all of that kind of activity. These guys came out of retirement. They had saved their magic uh, from the Cultural Revolution, saved it from destruction and brought things out to show us that they hadn't performed for decades. It was really just wonderful and amazing. Now, now, do you get back to China on your own? Do you perform? I have. I, have. Uh, I went back uh, some 20 years later and did my own large uh, touring show and toured 17 different cities throughout China. It was a massive show. I sent two 40-foot containers full of illusions and set pieces. We had, um, I forget how many curtains, soft goods that we brought, and flats for scenery and magic illusions galore. It was a huge show. It, it, yeah, and then they got no press. <laughs> well, well, you know, hey. Um, I'm sure it was in Xinhua, so... <laughs> get it, getting it out yeah. of that is 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 difficult. I uh, for for people that are, maybe aren't familiar, you are an illusionist. You are, and I say this with just absolute respect because I'm. Uh, you are an old school illusionist, as far as I'm concerned, and 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 I think that's that's great because I kind of wistfully look at the old magazines and and pine for the days when one's uh, magic show was was worth was measured by how many railroad cars you filled up <laughs> as you moved around? Well, actually, that, that's where the advertising has has uh, been very kind and, and flattering, but I, I grew up learning all different types of magic because when we did the TV series, The Magic of Mark Wilson, there was 105 or 108 of those shows that were made, and I had uh, Earl Nelson and uh, Alan Wakeling and uh, Di Vernon um, and Phil Goldstein before he became Max Maven, uh, <laughs> um, a lot of guys that were teaching me magic close-up tricks every week that I would, in essence, uh, practice, fine-tune, and then present on the television shows. Uh, so when I'm not doing illusions, I'm doing close-up. Well, what 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 do you prefer if uh, if if you're you know drug out and said you have to perform? Your absolute favorite is it going to be? Is it going to be something close up, or is it going to be something large? Well, uh, as my mother told me when I was a little kid, do close up, don't do illusions. I love illusions, though, so they're very. It's like a drug; they're hard to give up uh, because they're just so much fun. But they are the most taxing physically and uh, the most costly. So uh, when you're trying to earn a living, close up is fantastic, and when you want to. Do something big and gratifying for yourself. The illusions are a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it's I. It, I hate to keep harping on your parents, but but I mean, this is you too. Uh, you kind of grew up 
I mean, obviously you grew up around magic, so you think, oh, that's great and everything. But it just it strikes me as that when when I was a fairly young child, I started magic basically when I could read. Um, I actually kind of learned that was my impetus to learn how to read was to read magic books. Uh, my my kind of thought was, and I've talked to other people who are in my age, give or take 10 years, and, and they kind of had a similar view if they started out as kids, is you learn these close-up tricks, you learn this, this stuff in the books and everything, and then someday you graduate and become a quote-unquote real magician, and you have beautiful assistants and big illusions, and that, that was kind of like, as a child at least, or maybe it was just the 70s, I kind of perceived that hierarchy. You know that that it was it was your dad on TV. It was Doug or uh, Doug Henning and you know Copperfield and Harry Blackstone Jr. and uh, maybe if they were sitting next to Carson, you were going to see uh, you know uh, a trick with coins. But but the stuff that was going to make the commercials and and everything was giant and big, and maybe there'll be an explosion even. And uh, that's did, very true. Did you but did you grow, grow up, up like that? Did you think that as a child? Well, I had the wonderful benefit of being able to travel around with my parents and to go to international magic conventions. And uh, I, I had a, a wonderful childhood, very unique, and I really appreciate it in every way. I don't ever mean to uh, take it for granted at all. Um, but the magicians like Fred Capps and um, Gary Copper and uh, uh, Goldfinger and Dove and Norm Nielsen and... Johnny Thompson and all those guys that of the seventies and eighties that were doing these phenomenal stand-up acts, Mr. Electric, Marvin Roy, you know, and Carol, uh, integrated the manipulation with making it look big and play on a full stage. So I, I really enjoy that type of performance. Also, this is my favorite trick to perform. Of course, is the billiard balls, which was the first one that I did on TV. And it's my favorite still. And it's, I mean, such a classic. Uh, it, <laughs> well, Alan, Alan Wakeling taught me that routine uh, at my father's office because Alan was uh, full-time staff for my dad. Uh, I don't know if all your listeners are familiar with him, but certainly check out the, his book, uh, uh, Alan Wakeling's book. He has to be the most influential designer of magic illusions of that era. Uh, everything that has flowed since then has been his style of bass, his style of presentation, uh, the Wakeland song that's so popular now, which was created for my dad. <laughs> uh, the, everybody that does a spiker-type illusion where you've got a series of spikes that get pushed in on either side or even just on one side of the box sliding on a track, uh, that's Alan Wakeland's design for my dad. So um, he had a... a pronounced of influence on magic today but he's taught me his billy ball routine uh and wouldn't let me perform it until i perfected it so it took a good two plus two and a half almost three years of study before i was allowed to perform it and that's it's a smart choice too that seems like it would be a a really good development routine just for your hands for understanding the presentation of, of the Mormon intimate magic at all. It, it, I mean, that to me just also just reflects how smart he was to say, Hey kid, why don't you do this? 
<laughs> yeah, he was a, a wonderful man, and I miss him dearly. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you probably got to know all of these legends back in the day. I mean, did you ever meet Walter Gibson? Oh, yeah, I ran across his picture with me just just yesterday. As a matter of fact, he, we went to his house, and uh, he gave me a magic wand that I use today still. Oh, nice. Well, I, I, yeah. I love Walter Gibson. Uh, just I love if you read literature about him, things about the pulp magazines and stuff. He was so prolific, no one to this day knows how much that man wrote. Oh, his house was phenomenal. He had a, a very old stone home that was hundreds of years old, and then added on to that was a, a more uh, recent architecture, which probably was at least a hundred years old <laughs> of the main house and books were stacked everywhere, piles and piles of things that he had written, not his research, but his own material it was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there, there are people who think he wrote some of the Hardy boys books. You know? I, I don't, I, I couldn't even say, yeah. You know, I know the shadow, of course. Well, is, yeah, is. definitely, and and comic books and so many other things. But but yeah, he's just one of those another great figure from that. Believe it or not, we're we're already to the halfway point, so we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we got to tell them about Penn and Teller, so they got to come back. I, I'm going Don't to go anywhere. In fact, I'm going to throw out <laughs> our lead, our question. I'm going to say so they can think about, and that that is going to be now that we've kind of briefly and just barely touched on the past. What. Where do you go from here <laughs> when you have that that kind of launch pad? You know, what's where are we going now? And we'll talk about that after the break. This is Michael reminding you once again to support your local no kill animal shelter. My own family has had a rescue, uh, part chihuahua, part miniature pincher, maybe for years, named Paco, the uh, microphone shy chihuahua mix, but. Uh, even though he disappointed us last year by not barking into the microphone, he is still a beloved part of our family, and uh, you can find a friend like that or help other families find uh, th- their new members at your local no-kill animal shelter. And let's see if this year we can get Paco to bark for us. Paco, Paco, you want to bark? Tell everybody to support their animal shelter. There you go. Paco and Michael say support your local no-kill animal shelter. Now back to the Magic Week in Review. iTricks.com. And we're back with Mr. Greg, not Gregory Wilson. No matter what, <laughs> no matter what his driver's license says. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> and um, well, as long as we're over names, we touched on websites before. What, what, uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, very simple. GregWilson.com. And if you go there right now, you'll see my old website, which is going to be updated. It's in the process. But I have far too many pictures from my shows in the last three years that I haven't been able to go through them to sort them out. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's not the worst problem to have, you know? Yeah. As, uh, as, and, as there are people going through their, their promotional material and finding that there's a head standing in front of the camera on every one, you're, you're not doing so bad. I'm very fortunate, yes. Yeah, and uh, then, of course, most recently, uh, actually coming up on the 4th, if you happen to be listening to this uh, podcast uh, this coming week, uh, on the 4th of uh, September, uh, my episode of Penn & Teller Fool Us will be re-airing on the CW Network. 
Yeah, that's the that's the Friday one, kids. Not the not the Monday one, yeah, right? The, Monday the Friday one. one. And it's also, of course, on their websites. But I, I think it's fun to watch it on TV for real. It, it is. You know, my my wife will yell at me because, she, you know, she's like, whatever I'm watching. She's like, you can just go watch this in the other room. And I'm like, no, I'm actually watching this on TV. It's on satellite. She's like, but you have it on Blu-ray sitting right next to it. I'm like, yeah, but I discovered it on TV. I discovered Enter the <laughs> Dragon was on. So you kind of have to watch it. That's right. Uh, yeah. The, the thrill of live TV. But, yeah, now now uh, plenty of us have seen that episode already because it, it, it was on. Um, I, I don't think we're going to necessarily spoil it if we talk about it. Uh, and no. Because it's been on, you probably aren't subject to nondisclosure agreements about uh, <laughs> your performance. I, I, am, I am free to talk about it now, yes. Uh, we, we had one guest on before who, who had not appeared yet, and it was a couple months in the future. So he presented his entire discussion of being on Fool Us hypothetically, and he called it like OJ's If I Did It. That's how he couched oh, the entire conversation. He, yeah. he, he also wears a wrestling mask when he performs, so, <laughs> you know, he's a goofball. But, uh, but Understood. Now, you were on, and you did um, – you did a big illusion, of course. You you did the Excalibur, I believe you said it was called. That's correct. Yeah, we call it Excalibur, and uh, I had to come up with an ending for it because I it, it's a trunk escape trick. I'm you know basically when it comes down to it, Penn and Teller are going to watch that. I'm thinking in my head, and they're going to say, "Okay, it's a really good trunk escape, and it's very theatrical." And the producers really wanted it. They requested it. They called me and said, hey, Greg, could you do this for us? And uh, I sent them a whole bunch of other options. And they said, no, 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 no. We want the Excalibur. And so, okay. And I thought of the new surprise ending for it. And in the past, we had, when it was the very first one, so let's rewind here a little bit back to uh, 2000, no. 1993, <laughs> going back in time to the Yokohama Exotic Showcase. It was a huge expo in Japan, and Dad was performing on it, and he wanted to close with the Excalibur, and he said, Greg, I know you're in college. You're taking your final exams, but we'd really like for you to be on the show with us. They're going to make a TV special about it in Japan, and... Uh, we want you on the live show, uh, and I'd like for you to do the Excalibur because I don't want to put all the swords in. You put the swords in. <laughs> and I said, Dad, how are we going to end it? He said, well, Lance Burton called, and he had an idea for us. said, you know, when you do Excalibur, Greg should put the swords in, and then it looks like Greg's in the box when you do the switch, but actually when the swords are pulled out, it's Mark. And so we actually ended up doing it that way. For a number of years, with great success all over the place, magic conventions and TV shows, International Magic Awards, which I think is also online, the very first one. And uh, that has actually become kind of the standard presentation for the illusion. So I thought, how are we going to up this one? Right, because you, that, you, you have to fool not just Penn, but Teller. And that guy knows right. Enough. And Dad is 86 years old now. He's not going to climb into the damn box with all the swords. <laughs> uh, he seems that, like a trooper. Dream. He might. I don't know. Yeah. 
I asked him a couple of years ago if he wanted to do it at the Magic Castle, and he tried. He tried, but he said, not three times a night, Greg. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we figured out that when I reappear in the audience, um, I would then come back to the stage and produce them from the tent. But I had to have a through line. So at the, uh, the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, which is a Disney venue, which we'll talk about later, I came up with the concept of having a signed scarf from the audience that I apparently take with me as I go into the box. So I thought, let's use that signed scarf as a thread that ties the whole thing together. So when I switched out with a gentleman named Hugo Way, who was a good friend and looks totally different than me, <laughs> you can tell by his name, he's the Asian uh, Chinese guy that stood up out of the box and had uh, a, a scarf that was not signed by Pam. And then uh, I think it said, fool us. And then I appear in the audience with a scarf and you're supposed to think, oh, that's the one that's got the signature on it. And I open it up and it says, surprise. And then I run to the stage and motion to the tent and they open the tent and there's mom and dad and mom's holding the one that has the signature. So I don't know that that storyline actually made it through onto the broadcast, but that was the, the impetus for the whole segment so that we would justify their production. As if you need to justify it. <laughs> I mean, I, I am I am a big proponent of magic kind of making sense, but, you know, it's a special case. Come on. But Yeah, yeah. Now, now, and I spoke with Johnny Thompson afterwards, and uh, he shared with me that uh, actually Keller was fooled by the actual mechanics of the Excalibur Illusion. There's certain things that have to be done in order to escape from it. And he missed him. And so if I pushed Penn at that point, you know, he's went ahead and said we won, uh, claiming that he knew how it was done. Uh, but uh, I didn't, you know, of course, who said, uh, we won. I'm not going to push him. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. Now, now, when when the, pro the producers call you and they say, hey, we have this second chance at Fool Us and we want you on. And this is what we want you to perform, which I'm pretty sure is non-standard. You know, I'm pretty sure most of the competitors don't don't quite get that. Even if they are called specifically, I'm pretty sure they're they're not told what they would, you know, prefer they perform. But but when that happens, uh, how much of your desire to have a new ending is showmanship, and honestly, how much of it is the fact that, damn it, you want to fool Penn and Teller? Okay, so here's the big magic reveal moment. <laughs> It didn't matter if I fooled Penn and Teller. Um, I love my parents, and I want them on television. And they put me on television since I was a kid, and here was my chance to put them on. Sorry, yeah, I just love them a lot. No, that's that 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 is that is great. I um, and and I understand that. Um, I I have only ever briefly met your parents it was at a incredibly small magic not even a convention a convention let i'll call it uh that they used to have in, in appleton wisconsin called houdini days and, oh sure uh, okay uh, i was at the final you know un unfortunately that last houdini days the organizer got in a car accident and you know and, and they still do things out in appleton oh yeah 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 okay i i, I was at that one um it was a, my first and only houdini days and your parents were there 
and and uh, you know just a couple of highlights were a saw Mark Wilson performing on the street man that was crazy um, <laughs> I have videotape of it somewhere too um, and they did the, they did the canvas covered box there is that I I remember him doing I want to say like uh, uh, rope magic I haven't dug out that oh okay tape. small stuff yeah well I mean he, on the street yeah I mean like he was in there the was Gala another show. Who- but, but there was he, a there was a Houdini event that he did a, a trunk escape in, I, I, in honor of Houdini. Yeah. I, I think he did that in the in the gala show. But the, but the Houdini days they had ah. street magic too. So he was he was out. To, he took a turn on the street like you know like Joshua like a Joshua J did and a bunch of other guys. And you know I, yeah. I remember you know that and like Jeff McBride. I remember he was there and he was just like the nicest guy. And and I remember your parents were like super gracious to everyone. And your mom was like, it's like the grandma of magic. She not only was <laughs> up all night, but, but she's like, it's getting cooler outside. You should, you know, you should wear a jacket. <laughs> and it's like, really? okay, whatever. I'm not going to yeah, argue it, with it, that. It, it's not it, Darnell. I'm not going to argue with that. It was it. It was a very interesting negotiation with the uh, producers of Penn and Teller's show. Um, they couldn't talk to Penn and Teller. They couldn't ask them what they thought about the idea because it has to be a surprise. And uh, Johnny Thompson was a big help uh, because he's the magic consultant on the show. And, and, and so, final course, judge, it, too, right? And final judge, right? So he watched our rehearsals. He actually knew exactly how the trick worked. Uh, and um, he, I, I called him and I said, Johnny, this is what I'm trying to do. And he said, oh, gosh, I don't know. You know, Nobody has ever brought that many people on the show. I had, what, three or four assistants, five actually, because you didn't see one of them um, that was helping mom and dad. And we had to, to, to get my parents out of Los Angeles, get them up to Vegas, <laughs> into the hotel. We had to get them down to rehearsal, you know. Uh, it was quite a, a, an undertaking. And so just doing that and just seeing them appear out of the box, I mean, out of the tent, uh, was phenomenal because the Excalibur illusion is really uh, my dad's trick and one of his most uh, favorite creations. Yeah, it, it. I mean, obviously it was incredibly special to you. I, I, I think, it was, you know, it was a big kick for, for all, of, uh, all of us out here who... who are fans of magic long-term and not just discovering it through fool us. And honestly, thank God so many people are discovering magic through, through fool us. Oh, thank goodness. Which has been renewed for another year. Uh, Season three. I just spoke with the PR department at, uh, at the CW network and I found out that Penn and Teller fool us was the most popular show on uh, their summer program this year. It beat out not just other magic shows. It beat out their other programming. Wow. Wow. You know, I'm I'm hoping maybe maybe that'll kick the CW into doing a couple magic specials. Who knows? Um I hope so. I hope they remember my name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that being said, magic is really a live uh art as we've all all talked about and we'll all, all say. And so let's talk about some of the things that you're doing. One of the reasons you pop up on iTrix um is you are out there at the El Capitan doing a live show before some of the big Disney movies. Um, yeah. And that is just really cool, I think. 
Um, cause uh, yeah, as you might've guessed, I, I'm kind of into the old fashioned things and the idea of, uh, uh, of a magician before a movie, I think is, is awesome. I used to run movie theaters. I've run more than one movie theater that still has an, uh, a surviving vaudeville stage. Um, wow. so I have done magic on the vaudeville stage. No one knew it was going to happen and no one paid extra for it, but no one complained either. Uh, <laughs> but but you're you're doing um uh these these shows it seems like pretty much every disney movie there there's a run of you is is uh is the el capitan is that owned by disney are you working for disney or the theater or how how's that all work yes 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 uh so the el capitan is owned by uh the disney studios and it is their premier theater it's where they uh, debut their films so when the movie comes out and they have the big red carpet uh, 90% of the time it's at the el capitan and they shut down Hollywood Boulevard, and it's pretty spectacular when they do that. Um, in the past, they've always done their own productions. For years and years and years, they've had their own in-house productions that were put together by the same guys that used to work at the park that now moved over to Disney Special Events. And they're wonderful, really super experienced Disney producers. Great guys. They really know magic, too, and they know all the people in magic. So the very first year was Oz the Great and Powerful. Of course, uh, you know, Wizard of Oz, it makes sense to have magic for it. So it wasn't really an open cattle call. It was a by-invitation-only proposal. But every key magician around was bidding for that gig. And they're, they're Disney, they're good at keeping secrets. So I don't know who all else was bidding for it. But there were a lot of named guys. And I went in and I watched the trailers and I did all my research and then I put together my proposal and uh, I included in the proposal the train illusion. And part of my proposal showed Dad with Mickey and Goofy and um, Alice in Wonderland and uh, Pluto uh, doing the train illusion because Dad had actually designed the first Mickey Mouse magic show for Disneyland back in the 60s. And then I also included clips of me on the Mickey Mouse Club when I was a kid, saying, I have a long history, even before I was born, tied to Disney. I'm the right choice. I'm the Disney guy. Legacy. And so they said, yeah, I will use nepotism whenever it's helpful. (laughs) So uh, they brought me in, and uh, thanks to Johnny Ace Palmer, he was the gentleman that recommended me, um, Johnny's a, been a wonderful longtime friend. Um, we went in together and they interviewed and they said, well, we want a show that can run like an amusement park show. So we know it's going to be a hundred percent, every performance, the props aren't going to fail. Nothing's going to need repairing during the run. We want all John Don props. <laughs> I said, well, that's easy. Because most all of these props are from amusement park shows, and they were built by John Gunn, and they're indestructible, and I can do them for 100 shows in a row without a problem. And uh, that was one of the sales, the other sales feature that, uh, that helped close the deal. You must have a hell of a warehouse. It was phenomenal. Um, back during the days of the Magician Television Series and all that, and then... Uh, uh, it, it was wise and he pared it down a little bit here and there and kept some of the, the best ones. And it's still an impressive warehouse, 5,000 square foot floor to ceiling with shelving units, with piles and piles of magic illusions in crates and 
and cabinets full of small magic from, you know, the, the hundred episodes of the Magic Mind of Alakazam, and then all the episodes of the Magical Mark Wilson, and then all the stuff like made for China, and I, he, everything's organized by kind of a decade. <laughs> so when Dad remembers, oh, I did that show on Alakazam. Oh, okay, I know where to look for it. Get out the forklift. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I wish we had a forklift. But, uh, yeah, so then that was the very first time that, uh, actually, I proposed the train sawing in half, which is my parents' trademark magic trick, besides the Excalibur, uh, for the Disney show. And they bought it. And then I went to my mother and said, Mom, I have an opportunity to work for Disney. May I please perform the train illusion? Because up until then, uh, she would not allow anybody in the prop except her. And and I guess she said yes. <laughs> she said she said yeah. Well, she said well yes yeah, for Disney and and I'm not going to be getting it anymore. So you can do it. <laughs> and and that was the first time. Now I had performed it at Magic Live uh, prior to that, but uh, uh, my niece was secretly involved with it. My brother was assisting on stage, and Mom and Dad came out and took a bow at the end of it. So they were definitely involved. This was the first time that I performed it without any other family members, all on my own. So that was quite an honor. That that that's very cool. And then and that was for Oz the Great and Powerful. And then uh, you you've been back uh, since several times. I mean, pretty every, much every year since then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the summer season. It's the main show in the summertime. That's when they have the big show in. Uh, the rest of the year they have uh, different types of entertainment. They'll have a costume character come out and sing and dance or something. But um, the year after that they wanted to feature a really big magic show for Maleficent. And so I pitched the golden age of magic to kind of go with that theme of the golden age of Disney animation and how it was a transition to live film. And here we're going to modern live presentation of magic. And uh, Jonathan Pendragon came up with a fantastic term and he called me the neoclassical magician. I thought, well, that's really nice. I like that. Neoclassical. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so that's Maleficent. And um, what was the, the latest Disney show you, you've done? The latest one was the one I really wanted. Uh, it was Tomorrowland because of the relationship to the New York World's Fair. Right. So Dad, Dad had uh, his own pavilion at the New York World's Fair, which is, I think, pretty darn amazing, um, called the Hall of Magic. And it was the sixth or seventh highest rated live show in the entire fair, which is pretty darn amazing, I think. Uh, he was up against Disney with It's a Small World and uh, Carousel Progress and Lincoln and, uh, and the Ford exhibit. And they were just, just around the corner from his building. Yeah, that, that World's Fair is something I've read about many many times between uh, the introduction of ska music to the world through the Jamaican yes. stuff um, yeah. to, to, to the, the magic that was going on. And, oh, the name has just fallen out of my head. Mm, um, he, was, he was Mandrake in the television show that never went on. Ah, I'm going to know this as soon as we hang up. 
Um, but <laughs> it was in reading of that because that Mandrake show, you can find the pilot online and you always read that there's just this pilot and they never made the show. And reading about doing a little research on that World's Fair, I found a, an interview with him where he was injured and didn't perform in the World's Fair, but his wife was. Um, and, 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 and so he did this interview instead and talked about how they had actually, they, they were doing Mandrake and they had shot like 13 episodes, but they, this lawsuit had just come up. And evidently there, there was a f- almost like a half season of this Mandrake show uh, wow. published. And, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. And, <laughs> I'm going to be. So I used, the, once again, I took the same sales technique that I had for the first year, and I did the tie-in with Disney as best as I could about uh, the dad being at the fair and Walt being around the corner with with his attractions. And then I took all of the magic that many people are probably not familiar with that my dad and his team created for trade show booths. And it was a company called Magical Attractions. And it was technology that was apparently beyond where science was currently standing. And the question is, is it magic or is it science or is it uh, um, uh, just fantasy? And uh, the robot girl and the half humanoid and the hand machine, all these incredible, bizarre, the incredible shrinking person and all this this great uh, applications of optical illusions and magic tricks uh, disguised as technology. He had clients like IT&T and uh, Martin Marietta. One of the letters I found from Martin Marietta said, we've got a new project we're proposing for NASA. Uh, it's about a reusable spacecraft. And I looked at the date of it, and the date was like 63. It was long before they even had sent a man to the moon yet. And they were already talking about the space shuttle. Um, so that all I put together what I could of those types of, of magic tricks and made a big presentation to Disney, and they said, oh, that's just wonderful. And then I had my own creation, uh, which is a video interactive thing. And Dad had also pioneered uh, Cinelusion, which was a film-to-life process, and a lot of different magic effects there. So I wanted to try and recreate some of this cool stuff from the 60s and 70s in a modern way. Uh, Sadly, the film was really long, and they didn't have that much time in between cleaning the theater and resetting for the next show. So I was given about 12 minutes, whereas I had about 25 minutes for Maleficent. Uh, I delivered a 22-minute show, <laughs> and they, they had to trim it down. And, and uh, uh, I have online somewhere you can see the, the trick that was cut from the show, that my video interactive one. But the other props that you see in the pictures were actually dad's props from the 60s. They were built by John Gunn. That, that is cool. Now, I, I know that we are running out of time. We, uh, Uh-oh. I, I know because you I, you have things to do. and we gotta, uh, we got to talk again then. I, that, that sounds great to me. But what I'd, I'd like to ask is um, – where can where can all the iTricksters out there? Where can we catch you? Do we do we need to trek to California? I know you're you regularly at the Magic Castle, uh, actually helping your parents out with their the magic classes and things like that. And and obviously you're at the El Capitan. Are you are you doing any tours or anything anymore? Do we have any chance, or do we just have to do we have to come to you? <laughs> I'm working on a touring show package right now, uh, based on the stuff that I've done with Disney. 
of course, that's a long selling process, and I'll let everybody know as soon as we know. I'll certainly let you know, and we can do another podcast. Um, in the more recent, uh, more near future, I am back at the Magic Castle again uh, a couple times coming up in the next couple months, so check the castle calendar. Um, uh, beyond that, I do uh, do trade shows, so I do a lot of computer and software-based uh, internet trade shows. Uh, so the nerds yeah, and uh, then whenever I can, I go to the Illusions, and I'll be oh, I'll be on the Penn and Teller stage in October. Oh yeah, that obviously. Since well, well, you were on already. Let's spoil it. You fooled them. We talked about it. So yeah, uh, do do you have a firm date yet, or we're we're currently working that out in between my other commitments. Yeah, I, and I'll I'm, be in Upland working with uh, actors and others for animals, We're doing a charity for one of my favorite groups uh, that uh, Joanne Worley is the president of. Great. Um, make sure you send me the details on that, and we'll, we'll get that up on on the site. And uh, when you when you have a date with Penn and Teller, let us know too. I, I have kind of wondered with the show if uh, if it's public knowledge when winners of the show are going to actually be appearing, or it's just your you know it's your random good luck that you'd bought tickets to Penn and Teller that night, and bam, there's you know Stephen Brundage and his Rubik's cube, or or you, or what. Well, I- I'm I'm going to let the world know as best as I can. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Well, cool. It, it has been great talking to you. Thank you so much for being on. Um, like I said, we we are running out of time, and I know you have some commitments to get to. So thank you once again. Why don't you throw out your website? GregWilson.com, T-R-E-G-W-I-L-S-O-N.com, or on Facebook uh, to try and differentiate myself. It's Greg Wilson, the Master Magician. And that's the uh, the fan site. So just please go there and like it. There you go. And, and uh, Twitter is uh, is uh, Greg Wilson Magic. And and you have Twitter. a YouTube page too, which you might not. I know it's harder to remember the names of those. But you have a YouTube page that has a lot of your uh, magic from like the El Capitan on it. Correct. I do. Yes, and you can just search for that, uh, Greg Wilson Illusion or Greg Wilson El Cap, and then you'll find all the rest of the links. Yeah. Great. Great. And. Um, We've talked about them so much. We might as well throw out that your your parents. They have a website, and um, there there's so much. I won't say oh, all of it, but so much of the shows and things are available on DVD. Right? You can grab those. Yes, and please go there. It's markwilsonmagic.com. Markwilsonmagic.com, and they have a wonderful selection of stuff that I think is greatly underpriced because <laughs> I know what limited availability they have in the warehouse of some of this stuff. So there's the get dad to sign a picture now. Get him, get get those posters, get those autographs, because he's around. And like Dad says, the best thing about being a legend is being a living legend. Yeah, I want yeah. that to go on forever. All right. Well, thank you once again, and thanks to everybody for listening. We will be back really soon with another. Uh, episode of the iTrix Week in Review. Until then, keep up with everything going on in the world of magic at iTrix. We got we got to end this the right way. We got to end this like my folks do. Okay. We have to say happy magic to everybody together. All right. You ready? Are All you right. saying goodbye now? I'm saying goodbye. So here we go. One, two, three, and happy, happy magic. magic. All right. There you go. There you go. <laughs>